Alright, and we are back to talk about more Star Trek Picard. Uh, I think someone in your comment section said it was the Picard cast? That's a pretty good one, yeah, the Picard cast. Mm -hmm. I like that. Um, yeah. So we're going to be covering episodes 2, 3, and 4. Uh, let's start with 4 real quick, and then I'll go to 3, and then we'll jump to 4, and then we'll give our thoughts on the whole thing. Um, I, I, it's a 2, then 3, then 4, okay. Mm -hmm. So episode 2 starts off with a flashback of the day the synthetics rebelled on Mars, followed by Picard investigating Dodge's death. We learn that a secret subsector of the Tal Shiar, the Zat Vash, are supposedly hunting both sisters. Picard tries to get a ship from the Federation, but he's ultimately denied. Commander O of Starfleet Intelligence gets involved and has Lieutenant Rizzo, who is secretly a Romulan operative, to find out what's going on. Back on the Borg cube, Dodge's sister Soji... Dodge's sister Soji is getting very close to a Romulan named Narek, who is also Lieutenant Rizzo's brother. Their objective is to get Soji to reveal where the other synthetics are, and the episode ends with Picard finding his former crewmate, Rafi. And also, in this episode, um, I think Picard's doctor friend reveals that Picard has some kind of illness? No, 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 this is all, this is all... I mean, there's, there's some, um... Actually, it's, it's addressed in maybe the last episode of TNG, like, Picard has a... Um, in he has like a memory problem and so he's like traveling through time I think in that episode and they like they wonder if it's just his brain screwing up or something so I think there is that reference to to um, him having this uh, this genetic defect that's gonna hit him in his old age so you find out you find out the, that Starfleet has been infiltrated by genetically modified Romulans so I don't know if that's the case because I'm I'm on, I'm on the at least two of them yeah I'm on the at least two people no no that uh, Commander O is a Vulcan but she's a Romulan genetically altered to look like a Vulcan how do you know that I mean it is true that Vulcans and Romulans look really similar but they added these like like forehead ridges mm. to like uh, you know mm -hmm. but um, I mean the main thing is uh, I mean there's a few things so Vulcans aren't supposed to be able to lie. Though they do kind of lie all the time, but maybe not. It, it, it's a weird thing. But I think she's supposed to be a Romulan in disguise. Um, genetically, genetically altered to look like a Vulcan. And certainly the, the girl that looks like a human is, is, uh, is secretly a, a Romulan. Because I think that's the sister of the guy on the board cube, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. Yeah. Episode 3 starts off with another flashback as Picard threatens to resign if the Federation didn't try again to help out the Romulans. In the present time, Picard is trying to persuade Rafi to join him on his personal mission to save Dodge's sister Soji. Though she initially declines, she does give him a lead to a starship pilot who can help, uh, one Chris Rios, I believe. Back on the Borg cube, Soji meets Project Director Hugh, who is a former... Borg drone, who allows her to talk to some of the former Romulan Borg drones as well. One of them freak out. One of them freaks out and calls Soji the Destroyer. Yeah. And back on Earth, Picard forms his crew and heads out to Free Cloud to find Bruce Maddox. Yeah, and now I, with that episode, I think most fans were pretty floored uh, to see Hugh if they recognized him. I mean, it, it, I, it was only until like well into the episode where I was like, "Wait a minute, that's Hugh!" So, oh my so God, who's Hugh? That sounds familiar. <laughs> So, um, as I said, in the original TNG series, there weren't that many Borg episodes, okay? There's the original uh, uh, episode. Wait a minute, Picard. wait a minute. I hate, to, I hate to cut you off. Is he yeah. the kid? Yeah. Oh, shit. I actually did see that episode. That's why that name yeah. sounds for familiar. That's that kid? Oh, my God. I didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for, there, there, there are only... There are only a handful of, of, of Borg episodes in the original series, but there's the one where, one where they meet the Borg, 
Then there's the two-parter where they where the Borg come to Earth. Then there's the episode with Hugh where they find this one Borg who's been who who um, they study him, they they capture him and they study him, and then they they teach him individuality, mm. and then they decide that they're gonna they have this choice. So like one is like okay, we're, we can imprint him with this type of computer virus that'll destroy the Borg, or we can send him back and maybe he'll teach individuality to the Borg. And so they send him back. And then in then there's a two-parter involving the return of lore where it turns out Hugh was returned to his cube, but then the collective cut off the cube because the entire cube was given individuality and it was seen as an error. And so then lore found them and became their leader. So this is Hugh like having survived all those adventures um, and then now is helping out on this, on this cube. Yeah. So it was a pretty big deal. Obviously he didn't look like Hugh. I mean, he's got, he's, he's now, his parts have been taken off. He's got hair, you know, mm. like, so it was really hard to recognize him, but yeah, no, it, it was him. Same actor. So episode four opens up with a flashback. Um, Picard is on this planet where apparently they had uh, put on some Romulans here, some Romulan refugees. And he is essentially uh friends with these warrior nuns i forgot the name uh quat some quat somewhat something like that and yeah kumquat or something something like that. that and they're warrior nuns who are in direct opposite with the tal shiar it's either the name of a of a of a romulan sect or it's a jedi it's <laughs> a lost jedi and uh, he befriends this young boy which even i'm aware of how picard hates children or is not a fan of children mm-hmm. But yeah. but somehow he's he's he befriends this young boy, and it, they even make a joke about it in the episode, like "Oh, Picard, leave him alone. Picard doesn't like children." And Picard's like, "Nonsense! Of course I do." Um, and he befriends this young boy, but he has to leave because he hears about the attack on Mars. Uh, cut to present day; they're on their way to um, Free Cloud, or so they thought. But Picard wants to take a detour to this planet, uh, v- Vashti. Or something like that, mm, because he yeah. wants one of these warrior nuns to accompany him, because he feels as though they're going to need the extra muscle. They arrive at this planet that is essentially shielded, and he goes down there and he tries to get one of the warrior nuns to come with him, but instead he finds the little boy Elnor, who has grown up and is a warrior in his own right. Um, and essentially, as Picard is trying to recruit Elnor, the the kid kind of feels betrayed and, and abandoned by Picard, and he orig- originally says no. So as Picard is leaving the Warrior Nun Sanctuary, he uh, goes outside and he's a little pissed off because this place is not how it was 14 years ago. Uh, it's kind of racist now and he, you know, he hates that until he's approached by a couple of Romulans who don't like him. Because some of the Romulans apparently feel as though Starfleet betrayed them. They came to Romulus, they're like, we're going to help you, and then they kind of just abandoned them. And one of the Romulans right. feels as though Starfleet did this whole operation, did this whole thing to kind of divide, confuse, and, you know, just weaken the Romulan Empire by taking all its people and just spreading them out across the universe or across the galaxy. Yeah. Um, as Picard's about to be attacked by one of these one of these guys, Elnor comes in and saves Picard. And uh, as they beam out of the planet, they're attacked by some random local warlord until they are saved by Seven of Nine, who is piloting yeah. the ship. I thought it was a great ending. As for the um, Romulan Borg Cube side of things, Soji is trying to continue her research. Um, the Neric guy is getting a little closer to her, but his sister is getting kind of pissed off that she needs to know why Soji is on the Borg Cube and what her mission is. Right. 
So those, those are the, the last three episodes. Um, I got to say, episode <clears throat> two, kind of boring. Was not a fan. Yeah. Episode three, all, uh, slightly better, but once again, a little slow. Episode four really picked things up for me. Yeah, all of a sudden, episode four. Episode four was just, and I, some people chalk it up to Jonathan Frakes. Um, Riker was the director of it. Mm. And he's directed a bunch of things. Um, none of them are really considered good, but I will say <laughs> that, that Jonathan, like, like he did like um, clock stoppers and stuff, you know, like random things like this. And I think he, he directed Insurrection. Mm. Um, but I will say about Jonathan Frakes is, as a director is he knows how to keep uh, pace. Like he doesn't, he at least doesn't want things to be boring. And I will, so I will say that, um, you know, his things that he's done, they're, they're not masterpieces in any, in any sense, but I will say that they're never really boring, you know, that, mm-hmm. that he keeps them, you know. He, so I think that was part of it, you know. I don't know, it was okay. Yeah, I, I definitely liked episode four better than the other two. The other two felt like they were just um, uh, exposition, background. I mean, it was interesting stuff, but it was, you know, it wasn't really, um, I didn't feel like the plot was being driven forward very quickly. It's just him gathering his crew, which once again, okay, cool, he's yeah. gathering his crew, blah, blah, blah. And even as I, we were finishing episode two, I even told you, watch episode three end with him, like, gathering his crew and going off on the journey, which I, I knew they were going to do that. Like, I hate when it takes too long to get off. And, and I will admit, episode two is not my favorite. Three, slightly better, but still not my favorite. Four is where it picks up and gets... This is this is where we're getting to the meat and bones of the whole situation, especially when seven and nine comes in. Now, someone in your comment section was like, Carmine, I don't appreciate you shit-talking Voyager if you've never seen it. I do apologize for that, but this, this is just <laughs> stuff that I've heard. However, I am very much aware of seven of nine. I've seen a lot of... Uh, clips on youtube youtube loves recommending me star trek stuff i've seen a lot of clips now yeah (laughs) i've seen a lot of clips of seven of nine especially that one scene where she tells this random guy on the on the voyager she goes this he violated me no no not that one i don't see that one yeah she goes i want to experience this human mating thing take off your clothes it's like oh what (laughs) so so one of the jokes that that so back when voyager was was on and keep in mind, Voyager is very much uh, in the in the vein of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, there, there's there's a planet of the week. Uh, there is, you know, they're seeking out brave new worlds. It's 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 all about that. It's very TNG. It's very original series. It's not like Deep Space Nine, you know, or and it's not like here, like Picard. Right. And so that formula was a little tired by the time Voyager was around and. The, the you know the characters were just goofier mm-hmm. than than Deep Space Nine and I wouldn't say that like people really a lot of people didn't like Voyager as much but there are some big fans who who believe it was kind of the last proper Star Trek show. I, I, so, I I'm very much aware of how a lot of people don't like Enterprise. Y- yeah, I mean <clears throat> Star Trek Enterprise was also something different, and I know some people that you know. Uh, Discovery was also very different. So, you know, Voyager was the last, was the last proper Star Trek show. And when you say Star Trek, like, you know, it's an optimistic version of the future where Earth is, is this utopia and there's hope and things like this. I want to touch on this with you real quick, but go ahead. Yeah. And so, 
I mean, this is this is kind of a big thing because Picard has the, the series has just completely revamped and changed what Earth and the Federation is like completely and utterly. I th I think it's more realistic. I I think I might like it better, mm. but it's definitely not Star Trek. So. Like ah, <laughs> so, so when it comes to Star Trek, I will say like my credentials for Star Trek. You know more about Star. You and Phil, the issues guy, know way more than I do. Yeah. Like you're the only two dudes I know so far that I've met. I, I don't. Star Trek is not really a lot of popular that a lot of my friends know about or talk about it. But you and Phil, the, the guys that I know who are really into it, I've binged almost all of Deep Space Nine. I have two more episodes left. Um, yeah. I've seen some of the best episodes of TNG. Not the whole thing, but some of the best episodes here and there. I may have seen one episode of Voyager, maybe a couple episodes of the original series. I've seen all the J.J. Abrams movies. And I gotta say, mm. I love Red Letter Media. And Red Letter Media put out their like review the day we put out ours. Um, yeah. But but this kind of bothers me because I, I saw Red Letter Media's uh, Red Letter Media's review of Picard. You did too, right? I thought they were they, yeah. I thought they were way too hard on the yes. show. Yes, I thought uh, yeah. this kind of bothers me that um, and I'm not talking shit. I love Red Letter Media, but it kind of bothers me I do. that some people refer to them as the gold standard of Star Trek reviews because Rich and Mike are super into it, and I get it. But they're talking about like how I feel like they're way too nostalgic. Because the original series paints a picture of the far future Starfleet Federation as like this utopia. <clears throat> and there will never it be does, in the yeah. history of time a republic or a federation or an empire, what have you, that claims to have achieved paradise or utopia without, you know, staining its hands with blood. or And continuing to do so to keep that utopia, that paradise going, even in the shadows. Because... This is a galaxy that's full of dangers, full of, like, unknown things that can disrupt this paradise, this utopia. And the Federation, for, you know, all, it's, all, all the good it's done, has to continue doing shady things in the background to keep this going. Otherwise, I, I'm sorry, but it, it has no choice but to be hypocritical at times to keep, you know, this idea of utopia and paradise going. And I just think it's kind of unfair that Mike and Rich are sitting there saying, well, the far future, but I understand Gene Roddenberry's vision, but at the same time, we also have to be realistic a little bit, despite it being a sci-fi fantasy. And, and, and that's the thing, is even the, even the concept, like, the Federation doesn't, like, Earth in, in the show doesn't use money. They're past greed and things like that. And it's like, well, if you actually sit down and, th and, and try to, like, figure it out, you're like, well, how would that even work? How would a world without money even work like how one person would say well i i want all the land well you can't like how would it you know how would it happen like they still have criminals don't they like like and so in picard all of a sudden they do start talking about like his his friend starts saying oh you're on that comfortable um you know uh you know house and all this and you're you know you've got such a great life it's like well if they're on earth and there's no money shouldn't everybody be equally rich that is true like know, like rafi's like out in the middle of the desert and that's where she lives and she lives like in a little, little house and right that. if there's but they're supposed to be in this communist utopia without possessions like of course a communist utopia without possessions you can't really even show it because it doesn't really make sense you know it's so you know i think picard works better it's actually picard is the first time we've actually even seen how earth works um the whole thing about it is well earth is this communist utopia and we never have to show it because and because we're in a starship 
you know, light years away. Um, and because if we did have to show it, it'd be really difficult because it's impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you how do you show a utopia? Right. Like, you know, it's hard to even imagine a utopia, let alone like show it, you know, on screen. So, you know, this is interesting where they spent so much time on Earth, like being in the in a city on Earth has never been done in Star Trek. Which, which yeah, like ma- you get shots of it, but like not full blown like right. scenes. Like you get an establishing shot of Starfleet from the outside, mm-hmm. and then you're in a, and then you're in a conference room. But they never really show like how do cities work? Like how do people go to work? Do they ride public transportation? Do they have jobs? Like are there restaurants? Like none of that is really well fleshed, there, you know, fleshed out in Deep Space Nine. I believe it was season four, Paradise Lost, actually, and I, I want to get to this as as well. Yeah, uh, Cisco's father owns like a, a gumbo place, like a like a jambalaya place, like a Louisiana yeah. kitchen style food mm-hmm. food joint. Yeah, and he, I guess he just gives away all his gumbo for free, and he, you know, works really hard producing gumbo. But what if like all these people, like, how does he? How does he meet the demand for the gumbo? Because it's like really good gumbo. Shouldn't everyone want to go? Mm-hmm. So you'd think that like if that would be infinite demand because it's free, there'd just be people lining up. So, I mean, in our regular world, we have a market. So you, you increase the price and then fewer people want it. And then you, you reach a balance, you know. But if everything was free, how would it even work? Like it doesn't even make sense. That's exactly right? my point. Like I don't understand where Rich and Mike. I feel like they're way more nostalgic over the original series than like TNG because, or even like anything, yeah. anything at like after the original series because they're talking about like you know the future. They, they par- love TNG. They love TNG. Yeah, but like I think even they, TNG, I think they're down on D Space Nine. Right, but even TNG was is not like this perfect far future that they're talking about no. because once again you can't have an empire, federation, republic, whatever that's completely and utter perfect, and and keep that utopia, that paradise going without like having a shadowy like just weird like secretive operative group staining its hands in blood. Then it's not a true utopia. It's not a true paradise yeah. if it has all these skeletons in its closet, which the Federation the, definitely does. The other thing that I think they were way too critical of is um, Picard, for instance, in, in, in Star Trek Picard, Picard is obsessed with Data having lost a dear friend. Okay, And now, in the original series, it is true that Picard didn't give a shit about Data. <laughs> like he just, oh, really? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and he didn't. But keep in mind, the original series is seven years. And it ends with Picard coming in to, to, be, to now start opening up and becoming friends with the crew that he had been so distant with for seven years. Okay? Oh, yeah, that's and right. He, jo- is, he joins the card game. Right. He joins the card game. And this is a, this is a big thing. So he's a dynamic character. He changed you know, and, and he opened up and, you know, had started this friendship with, with Data. Now, granted, it's off screen. It's after the original series. But I can accept that it happened. Like, they, we had that last episode where he, where he decided he was going to open up and become friends with people. Now, they're, in their review, like, they're like, Picard doesn't give a shit about Data. Like, why is he obsessed with Data? He can, because people change. <laughs> like, the original series was seven years. <laughs> You know, it's been a long time. Like, he had a whole bunch of time after that, years with Data after that. Mm -hmm. Let him have that, you know? 
Like he's allowed to change. He's a different person now. Um, so they, they, they have a lot of that. They're, they have a lot of going back to the original series and saying, well, Picard was like this back then. And now Picard is like this. That's not Picard. Oh, I'm sorry. Like, I can't be a different person in 20 years. That is true. Come that on, that is that is kind of like, look, once again, we're not ripping on red letter media. It's just sometimes I dislike it when certain YouTubers are considered the gold standard of talking yeah. about this one thing, which, you know, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about is, um, so uh, what, what, what do I want to get to? I want to get to the, either the Tal Shiar or Old Man Picard. Yeah. What do you think we should talk about first here? Uh, well, let's talk about old te- old man Picard since since we've been talking about Picard. I I, yeah. I firmly believe after watching these last few episodes where they get attacked, where Picard gets attacked in his home, and then like there's a whole sword fight thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't see how, and I hate saying this because it's gonna make me sound like an ageist. Because there's already like you know a cup like one or two people in your comment section who think I am. I'm not, but it, I feel like it's awkward that you have like this older guy in this new-esque Star Trek world, because you're right. It's like you said in the first episode, this is not your dad's Star Trek. We have explosions and gun battles and, you know, alien girls with three titties. And, like, which, by the way, needs to happen. Um, But, uh, no, it's like this, it's it's not your dad's Star Trek. You're right. There's, like, a lot of action going on here. Is, does this new Star Trek, does it have a place for an older character like Picard who is kind of an, a relic of a bygone era of Star Trek, where things are settled with a, a resounding, <clears throat> impactful speech. I, I do. I, I, I think the contrast of Picard, this nostalgic piece of, of honor, um, is, is a good contrast with, with this crazy world that he's now in. Um, I, I do. Th- I do think it's. I do think it works. I think that specific thing works. I think that seeing this old man who's way beyond his years and shouldn't be adventuring, like out there, like trying to put put this all together desperately. I think it somehow works. Hmm. And I may have not believed it until episode four, but um, like in episode two and three, like I don't. I don't. I'm sure if I super bought his friendship. You know, where she's like, JL, J, you know? Yeah, that like, kinda, that's kind of a little, like, nah. <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed a little manufactured. Yeah. But all of a sudden, when episode four came around, and especially that final scene where, where he, like, walks into the Romulan bar and, then, like, takes down the sign, and it's just like, I'm here, in this, like, moment of desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when the, when the, when the Legolas character uh, um, <laughs> is like, "Oh, I found your co- found your cause honorable. Only the only honorable causes are hopeless ones." <laughs> I was like, "Oh God, that actually kind of fits the whole thing. Like, he's desperate and hopeless and dying and ridiculous. And I think it like I think it fits. It, there's something very." It's 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 quixotic. He's he's Don Quixote is what mm. he is. Yeah. He's an old man who has this honorable vision of the past who is out there fighting windmills <laughs> on this quest. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to also ask you is, so okay, once again, I'm binging Deep Space Nine. 
And uh, one yeah. of my, so I didn't realize this, but I, I was aware of Section 31 before I even saw the yeah. episode where Section 31 was actually introduced, which was a Julian Bashir, Dr. Bashir focused mm. episode, which I, so far Section 31 has only appeared three times in Deep Space Dying as far as I'm concerned. The first episode is where they try to recruit Bashir. The second episode has to do with like Romulan politics and whatnot and, and them trying to assassinate a Romulan guy. And the third one has to do with finding a cure for Oda, which I just saw. Yeah. So the first episode. Yeah, I always, I always thought that was a bit of an out where they're like, they're like, Section Thirty One developed the poison that would kill Odo's people, so they must have a cure. I was like, do they? Does that really? Is that really how it works? <laughs> <laughs> but they did have a cure. Yeah. At the end. But like, but it's like, <laughs> just because you invented the poison doesn't mean you have the cure. Mm, that's true. Know? But he did. He also had a bunch of other secrets in there too that I really wanted to know about. But. I didn't like the first episode that they were introduced. I thought it was interesting concept that there's like a secret organization within the Federation. Yeah. But at the same time, we'll get to that in a minute. I, I, I just have a bunch of stuff to talk about Star Trek. But, uh, but at the same time, <laughs> I love the second episode when they're introduced where it's Julian. He has to go to this conference on Romulus. And it's like this whole thing talking about the Dominion biogenic weapons. And essentially, we find out at the very end of the episode that the head of the Tal Shiar is essentially a federation agent yeah i don't know if you remember that so i do i believe this takes place almost 20 years after deep space nine so i i, I have to wonder yeah at least yeah is is the head of the tal shiar still a federation agent still working with section 31 <clears throat> that's a very good question so i mean we never really so they section 31 does uh, return in Enterprise, and I think it returns in Discovery, but those Prequels. are in different time yeah. periods. Yeah. So we don't know what's happened to Section 31. Um, I think there's an implication that Section 31 was getting destroyed or dismantled at the end of Deep Space Nine, but maybe maybe not. But, um, <clears throat> but the... Uh, I, I, no, I mean, we have no idea what's happened. And this falls back onto what I was saying about, like, Rich and Mike kind of being ridiculous in regards to, like, thinking the Federation and, like, the far future is incredibly peaceful because... Yeah, like, they hate Section 31 yeah. and they hate Deep... They don't like Deep Space Nine. Well, um, no, it's because, like, I, I think one of the reasons they hate Deep Space uh, Section 31 so much is because it's kind of an overplayed thing. And I agree with that. Like, I don't... It also it also goes against the, the very fundamental, like, premise of Star Trek. Right. I mean, so if you're really into Gene Roddenberry's vision, like Gene Roddenberry was this like communist who believed in this sci-fi utopia future that was optimistic, which was very different from all other science fiction. Most science fiction is, uh, oh, let's watch out for technology. It's going to be horrible, like Dark Mirror or something. Like Dark Mirror is like standard traditional science fiction. Like we should be scared of robots because they're going to take over and kill us. You know, we should be scared of phones because you're going to you're going to download your consciousness in it and then be in an eternity of hell like something. Yeah. You know, it's the same shit. It's always like whatever piece of technology is out there. Society has gone too far with it. And it's it's society's mm -hmm. doom. Star Trek. Very different. That technology is the savior. And the, and the future is bright because technology will bring us. Um, it, technology will be our salvation. It'll bring us food. It'll bring us peace. It'll bring us adventure. It'll bring every. It'll bring everybody together. 
And that, that was a very different vision from all of their science fiction. That's like, oh. I feel like what, what makes the future so fucking awesome are those replicators. Because they essentially solve not only world hunger, oh, yeah. but like every infrastructure problem ever. Because apparently there are big <clears throat> replicators that can like make buildings. Sure. And, you know, a lot of, yeah. And I mean, sonic showers that don't waste like, water. First of all, if, if, you had, if you had a replicator and you had, if you had a replicator and you had a holodeck, like, why would you ever do anything? Yo. Else but, like, like, you know, live in a harem and, and, and eat, you know, feasts. All the hollow suites on but, Deep Space Nine. Like, I love how Julian, uh, Dr. Bashir and um, O'Brien, they're always, like, trying to face off against Santa Ana. <laughs> I love yeah. that stuff. So awesome. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I understand, like, in this, in this theoretical sense that, like, okay, this is, this is a betrayal, but at this point, Deep Space Nine, when did Deep Space Nine uh, premiere? Like, uh, in the mid-90s to the late 90s? Yeah, mid-90s. Yeah. So, let's say, let's say, like, I would say that the huge thing, like one of the big things in Deep Space Nine as well, is um, when the uh, a, a faction of Federation people quit and and join the, the Joran resistance against the Cardassians, um, and like that's another thing where where it's just kind of this big big. Well, the Federation sucks now, so like the introduction of of, of Section Thirty One and and the Federation's actions during Deep Space Nine. And Cisco's uh, manipulation of the Romulans during Deep Space Nine, like all of that, introduces this concept that oh, you know what, the Federation is not utopia. And I understand that that's like a betrayal of Star Trek, but that betrayal happened 25 years ago. Okay, like let's get all, let's get over it. Like, <laughs> like yeah. Star Trek has been Star Trek, Star Trek has been different for 25 years. Like it's okay, you know. I agree with that. Like the other thing I wanted to discuss with you um, is um, this idea that the Federation or Starfleet is racist is kind of ridiculous. Consider just because they left the Romulans, like they didn't want to do another attempt to rescue the Romulans, and and because of that, they're racist is kind of ridiculous. I remember. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't there? Wait, I don't. Have, are you familiar with the original series? Yeah, yeah. Wasn't there like an original series episode where the Romulans are flat out like attacking um, Federation bases? Um, probably the, the, the Romulans are actually, um, I mean, I, th I thought, they're... I thought it was the episode balance of terror. Let me see real quick. Star yeah, Trek yeah, that's it. balance of terror. I just want to make sure like I have that right. Where like, there's a Romulan, like uh tack cruiser going around and, uh, just, just like, you know, blowing up, um, uh, outposts and, um, Romulans have always been kind of like, even in the TNG, some of the episodes I've seen, there's like a whole episode I saw where like. Uh, Picard accidentally goes or, or does go into the neutral zone and then the Romulan bird comes out of nowhere and is like, ah, I'm going to kill you. And like, they're pretty, they're pretty darn evil all through next generation. They're pretty darn evil on everything. In fact, um, what I like about episode four is how rich all of a sudden Romulan culture is. Like, I love this. I love how from like, I love how, Picard has the two people working at his house and they have certain personalities and then he goes to this planet and they have completely different personalities and then they go to the bar and they have completely different personalities. Like one of the big criticisms of Star Trek is that you go to Planet of the Week 
and everybody on the planet wears the same fucking type of clothes. And the haircut. And they all, well, all the Robin yeah, they Hoods all have the, the same, same haircuts. Haircut, yeah. And they and they all act the same. Like you know, like like there's no there's no variance in their culture. You know, human beings can have variance, but oh no, that entire planet is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. They all wear the same goddamn clothes. This, like, all of a sudden, like, every Romulan looks different. Every Romulan has a different haircut. Every Romulan acts differently. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really, uh, it's a huge improvement. Refreshing. Like, all of a sudden, oh, yeah. Like, in three episodes, um, they have, three or four episodes, they have given more depth to the Romulan uh, culture than anything for the past 50 years with the Romulans. You know, like, it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's really cool. Oh yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. And like I was saying, like this idea that Starfleet is is racist to me is a little silly because they've always kind of done shady things like well, that. Maybe yeah. not outright super shady, but like there's an episode in Deep Space Nine where Cisco asks <laughs> Starfleet about um, this rogue operative group that Section Thirty One, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll 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 get to the bottom of it. We'll we'll investigate it. Don't worry." And you kind of get the sense, and even Cisco says it that they're kind of trying to just brush it aside. Like they're kind of like hush hush about it. And, uh, yeah, like, they, you know, once again, I haven't seen every single episode of Star Trek, but it does seem like they've always kind of done shady things like that. Not to mention, the episodes I have seen, there always seems to be, like, a rogue admiral running around somewhere. Oh, and how many, how many times has, how many times has the Federation been, have been infiltrated? How many times has Starfleet been infiltrated? Yo, like, like, it's ridiculous. Like, what, like, it's, like, like, the, um, I'm sorry. But, oh, no, but I was just on the racist thing. I would say that, that, that it's definitely the implication that. That there are elements with within Starfleet that were, you know, speciesist and uh, um, and politically speaking, you know, a, a, a groupthink bureaucracy happened that, that that you know that ruined everything and stopped everything. You know, it's the same thing with like I mean, uh, the obvious parallel is the United States today, right? Like, if you want to say, okay, the United States is racist, well. Some people in the United States are racist and some people aren't. And some people in the United States are, are in government and are racist. And some people are, are in the United States are in government and aren't racist. And there's a big bureaucratic fight and various stuff happens and decisions then end up on the ground and you've got kids in cages. Like it's, <laughs> but that's the thing. That's, I mean, that's the, the messiness of bureaucracy and having multiple minds uh, with, 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 you know, a people and a nation, something that like the original Star Trek didn't really explore because planets and societies were so monolithic, which is why, like, I, you know, I'm really <clears throat> enjoying the fact that they're ha- we're, ha- we're having these rich, uh, diverse societies that we're seeing in this new uh, in this new show, mm-hmm. you know, rather than, oh, the Vulcans should all act like this, you know, they should all be like Spock and Tuvok, you know. But, like, Starfleet has always had insane rogue admirals. Like, the guy from the Pegasus. I forgot his name, but... Oh, yeah. Him, um, in Deep Space Nine, episode Paradise Lost, one of Benjamin Sisko's buddies who's an admiral, he's trying to, like, take over the Federation because he's so afraid of the Dominion threat. Um, it's, 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 actually, it's actually a trope. Like, the evil admiral, there's, like, at least a dozen episodes about evil really? admirals. Like, oh, yeah, plus Star Trek Insurrection, you know? Like, it, it's always a fucking evil admiral. Damn speaking it, of, speaking of Star Trek stop. Insurrection, is that the one that takes place during Dominion War where the, the Federation or Starfleet is trying to, like, use this planet for resources? And Picard's like, no, yeah. no. Yeah, I mean, it takes place during the Dominion War, but they don't, they don't, 
they mention the Dominion War, but they don't mention the planet with respect to the Dominion War, mm-hmm. which they, I felt they should have. I think it would have brought more, more depth and sympathy to the villain's cause. Because all good villains require a level of sympathy. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you know, like Thanos. You're supposed to be like, oh, yeah. You have to be like, oh, yeah, in a way, the, the villain's correct. You know, like, that's a great villain. And everybody's been bitching um, about how, like, the Starfleet in this show left the Romulans, like, you know, after promising the help. But Starfleet has also done that in the past with, um, you mentioned them briefly a while ago, the Maquis in Deep Space Nine. Essentially, yeah. Federation citizens who I, I believe were displaced um, by the Cardassians and now they just broke off from the Federation and they're just fighting the Cardassians in like a guerrilla war. And Starfleet just kind of left them alone until they started robbing and, and you know, uh, attacking Federation ships. So this yeah. is not new. This, this All this stuff, like the Federation's not really racist. It's just they kind of don't like to get involved in certain things and they just kind of <laughs> like to just yeah. let things play out. Oh, by the way, there's a huge, one of the biggest Star Trek... Um, uh, loose threads that was never answered mm. is is whatever happened to Riker's clone. Riker's um, clone. So, <laughs> so there is a episode of the original series where a transporter accident happens, where Riker is beamed up from a planet, but they they take a copy and create Riker, and they leave. It creates a a second Riker is left on the planet and is never brought, is never rescued. And so this Lieutenant Riker, like, because it happens way in the past, is on this planet for years and never gets promoted. And then he's finally found. And he's still a Federation officer. So he, like, goes aboard the Enterprise as a lieutenant. So, like, they have Commander Riker and Lieutenant Riker, like, both on the Enterprise. <laughs> and keep in mind, Lieutenant Riker was dating uh, Troy, at the time, while Commander Riker was broken up from her, with her, and so he's like, "We never broke up. I want to get back together." And so she's like, "Oh, maybe, you know." And, she, and they're like, <laughs> "So it's really weird, right?" Pretty cool episode. So at the end, he gets transferred to another ship because he doesn't want to hang out with himself. And Lieutenant Riker ends up joining the Maquis. Oh, he yes, and there is. Yeah, there's a Deep Space Nine episode where he's a member of the Maquis, and I think he gets arrested or something at the end. I'm not sure. And everybody's always like, "What? Whatever happened to him?" No, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> That's so fucking random. I don't think I saw that episode. That because because I kind of people are gonna hate me for saying this. I kinda, I was told to skip. Um, seasons one and two of Deep Space Nine because they weren't that good. I saw a couple of good episodes from uh, uh, seasons one and two of Deep Space Nine, but I started episode. I started from season three onwards, and I only skipped a few episodes that were considered filler where nothing really happens, like the one episode where um, uh, Quark and Nog uh, and um, and Rom are somehow transported back in time to Area Fifty One. Like I skipped those episodes. Those episodes are yeah. ridiculous. But um, no, she. He joins the Maquis. Uh, this I'm looking at. The, I'm, he joins the Maquis. He gets arrested by the Cardassian military. Mm. Uh, Kira tells him that she's they'll return for him one day. Never seen again. <laughs> Tom, Thomas Riker. He's great. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, he decides to go by his middle name. So you know, William Thomas Riker. So he goes by Tom Riker. But, uh, no, Preston, I, so far, I feel as though Star Trek Picard really should have been a, um, 
a binging series where it doesn't it doesn't release every week like we've been we've been you know waiting on and it releases instead like the whole thing at once because this i feel like this is one of those shows that really need to be binged huh that's interesting because i so so i you know i watched the witcher and it's funny as that i i kind of binged it but when i finished i was like you know this should have this shouldn't have been binged. This should have been really? like I watch one episode and then a month later I watch another episode. Cuz the episodes often take place many years apart. Yeah, that's a problem. When we do the Witcher podcast, we'll we'll discuss that. That yeah. that is a major issue that I that I keep hearing cuz I've only seen 3 episodes so far. <clears throat> right. So yeah, so you know, an episode happens then the second next episode happens and the characters look the same. And, but they're like, oh, it's been like 10 years since I've seen you. And you're like, uh, like, you haven't aged a day. Like, come on. <laughs> like, nobody, even the non-Witcher characters, like, you know. Yeah, that's a fucking problem. That, that, that is a problem. <laughs> but I, I feel if I at least had to wait like a month or, you know, there, you know between episodes, mm. I would have been like, oh, right. It's been a long time. But, but, but for Picard, though, like, like episodes like episode two and three, like I hope these are the last two boring episodes we'll get because they were kind of boring. And I will say uh, to the new crew, Rafi, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get used to Rafi. So far, the new Picard character that I really enjoy is the pilot. Um, his name was here. Let me go back to his name real quick. Oh, uh, Rios. Rios. Rios is fucking hilarious because his entire crew is a bunch of holograms. And uh, yeah, I love, I, that. I love yeah. that. That's very Voyager. That's very Voyager, all the holograms. And the, correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe I'm just being an asshole, but they all look like him, right? Yeah. At first, I didn't I didn't realize it, cause, but then later on, I was like, oh, wait, they're all they're him. They're all him. Yeah. Like, so, like the, his, his... Especially when the pilot hologram comes <laughs> on, then you're definitely like, okay. The co-pilot <laughs> was fucking hilarious. Like, the medical one is hilarious. Like, they're all hilarious. I love that. That's a great, interesting twist. But Dr. Gerardi, I guess she's the everyman. Like, she's the one that asks questions like, what's this? What's that? What is this? And Picard has to explain like what this is, which okay, fine, but I find her character kind of pointless and useless. Um, Elnor seems to be super cool. He's the samurai guy. Um, I I don't want to say this that they're doing like a like a Lord of the Rings fantasy RPG party thing. Yeah, but it's a bit of it that. Just like every week, we're gonna collect some. Just a tad. Is interesting. Yeah. But so far, yeah. the show is okay. Like, I thought the first episode was awesome. Uh, the second episode was a real downer. It went downhill for me very quickly. Kind of boring, actually. I didn't finish... I almost didn't finish the second episode. Then I went back and realized, oh, that's right, I need to finish this. Third episode was a bit yeah. step of a step up, but still kind of meh. Fourth episode really picked up for me. And I'm actually very, very, very excited for the next episode, especially now that Seven of Nine is here. Yeah. I mean, it should be should be very interesting. I do wonder if they're, you know how new viewers i mean i guess you're you're a viewer that doesn't have too much uh star trek background but like the things that are most enjoyable about the show is when they throw in these little these little things from the from the past like like the the emergency medical holograms and stuff like yeah that. Like, the show definitely rewards returning viewers yeah and not and I, and I say it is distinctively different from the, than like when star wars does it which is just it's in it's in the background. It's not part of the plot. Like these are all part of the plot. Like Hugh had a point. You know these these holograms. I think they're gonna have more of a point later. That you know that's a Voyager reference. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I don't know if you ever watched the Vo Voyager. The 
the best character, the guy who kind of became the star of the show, was the emergency emergency me- medical hologram, the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, in the first episode, the, the, the doctor is killed uh, on board Voyager. So they activate the emergency medical hologram, and they don't have a doctor, so they just keep this hologram on all of the time. And so over the course of seven years, he, you know, he's the fish-out-of-water data character where he, like, learns about humanity and all of this. And, you know, and it's, it's funny because he has a horrible bedside manner, mm-hmm. even though he's a doctor. <laughs> Yeah, so all of these like holograms appearing and him having a, a problem with them, it's it's very referencing. It's you know it's referencing that. So well, like I said, I think episode four um, kind of saved the show for me because I was about to say like, uh, yo, this episode was boring. I was but I was gonna be like, Preston, can we like cut this out because this is getting a little too uh, a little too lame. But uh, no, episode four saved the show for me. I thought it was was super cool. Um, once again, I'm excited for the next one. I did see the next episode preview. Uh, it kind of yeah. looked a little lame when they have to put on the costumes, but we'll have to see. We'll see what happens. But um, so far, so far, Star Trek Picard. Okay, let's, uh, let's keep on track. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, Preston, do you want to wrap this up? Sure. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Picard cast. Uh, or or what, what, did, what did the guy say it was? The P- the Picard? Yeah, I guess the Picard, the Picard cast. Picard cast. Uh, <laughs> join us, join us in the next couple of weeks when we come back to talk about episode five, six, and seven, and then again for episode eight, where we uh, talk about the last episode and then the season as a whole. Preston, thank you so much for joining me, and guys, we will see you next time. Have a good one. <laughs>